Hi, I'm Elizabeth Benoist, and you're listening to Supergirl Radio. Supergirl flies into Paley Fest. CBS releases a crossover poster. And we discuss falling. This, this is Supergirl Radio. Supergirl Radio, your source for all things related to CBS's Supergirl TV series and the character of Kara Zor-El. I'm Rebecca Johnson. My name is Carly Lane, and in this episode of the podcast, we're going to talk about the season one episode of the show titled Falling. But before we get to our discussion, we have the news. On Sunday, March 13th, 2016, the cast and showrunners of Supergirl took the stage at Paley Fest. They talked about the impact of having a female superhero on TV, using characters on the show to reflect our entire society, and the crossover with The Flash. And we'll have more to come from Paley Fest, so stay tuned to our podcast feed. And big shout out to our friend Katrina Dennis, who covered Paley Fest for us. Uh, If you would like to check out Katrina's stuff, you can go to her website, which is ohkatrina.com. That's spelled O-H-C-A-T-R-I-N-A.com. And you can follow her on Twitter, at ohkatrina, and that's at O-H-C-A-T-R-I-N-A. And Carly, I don't know if you got to see anything from the Paley Fest panel. They haven't really put out the videos as of yet. I've just kind of seen clips and pictures and read some articles. But I was wondering if you got to see any of that stuff. Yeah, I was following, I mean, it looked like everybody, there were a lot of people that were uh, live tweeting it, like the Paley Fest account, uh, the Paley Center account was live tweeting at one point, uh, some of the, some of the stuff. And then there were some really cute, like photos and video and of the little, the one little girl dressed up like Supergirl. (laughs) That was one of my, that was one of my favorite parts. But yeah, I'm excited to watch the full uh, panel when it goes up because they usually put that up on YouTube at some point. Yeah, I didn't see it on the Paley Center website, so I don't think it's up as of yet. But hopefully, we'll see that in the coming days. But yeah, the the little girl that interacted with Macad Brooks and asked <laughs> Melissa Benoist if she would be her friend—that was adorable. Oh, so cute, just like tonight's e- or Monday night's episode. <laughs> exactly, exactly. This time, though, I don't think that little girl on stage was going to throw her costume away. So no, <laughs> so that's gosh. so that's good. So that that seemed like a really fun panel, and we've got some interviews coming. So. Um, definitely stay with us for that. According to TVLine.com, CBS CEO Les Moonves revealed that, quote, about five, end quote, of the network's rookie series will be back next fall. He didn't specify which of the five he was referring to, but when you eliminate the already canceled Angel from Hell, that leaves six freshman contenders, including Supergirl, Code Black, Limitless, Life in Pieces, and the yet-to-premiere Criminal Minds, Beyond Borders, and Rush Hour. 
And yeah, I saw a lot of people saying that this was a, you know, a season two renewal, but we can't say that for sure yet. This is not an official, official pickup, but I think it's a good sign for a possible season two renewal. So we'll just have to keep our eyes peeled for that because CBS will eventually announce it officially. So hopefully that that's a good sign. Yeah, media outlets, way to get our hopes up. (laughs) (laughs) I was a little bit like, well, he didn't say that it was definitely renewed, so we didn't want to say that because it's, I mean, it's not, I I would say if it was a Magic 8-Ball, signs point to yes, but we can't, we can't officially confirm at this point that it's coming back. Yeah, hopefully it will come sooner than later because I know some networks have been kind of early with renewals and uh, information in that regard before, you know, upfronts happen because that that stuff usually comes out in May. So uh, we may have a couple of more months to wait on that, but it does seem like positive news. So that's that's exciting. Well, and something else that's very exciting is that CBS released a poster for the Supergirl Flash crossover, which mimicked the cover of Superman issue number 199, in which Superman and the Flash race to discover which of them is the fastest man alive. And according to EW.com, Barry and Kara will be putting their powers to the test. When asked about a race between the two, Andrew Kreisberg said, quote, we do have a foot race, which is one of my favorite moments in the episode, unquote. And when asked who wins, all he would say is, it's close. So that's really fun to know because that was some of the speculation a lot of people had was, are they going to race? And uh, the poster is very cool and it does look a lot like that comic book issue. So what are your thoughts on that, Carly? I love the poster. I actually didn't know that it was a callback to a Superman comic um, until people on the internet started pointing it out and looking at it for a side-by-side comparison. It's pretty great. Um, I just like the... I it, Even if it hadn't been designed specifically after the Superman comic, just the fact that they designed it to look like a comic cover in general is cool. Um but I'm also really excited because back when they first announced the crossover, one of the things that I kind of jokingly mentioned wanting to see was really awkward flirting between Kara and Barry Allen. And apparently <laughs> we're going to get that. <laughs> they said there was going to be a little bit of super flirting. So because I feel like these two are two sides of the same coin, yeah. pretty much, um, but equally adorable. So <laughs> that delights me endlessly. I'm very excited about that. Yeah, that's going to be really, really fun. And I think it's cool that they're doing this kind of stuff. The Flash did something similar with the Flash of Two Worlds, I believe it is. They um, they did a poster that was very similar to a, a Flash comic, and they, they even sort of mimicked it on the show in one of the scenes in season two. So I'll be curious to see if they kind of have something that's like the comic on the show. So we'll, we'll have to see who is faster. I don't know. Do you, do you have a bet on who will be faster, Carly? Uh, do you have a guess? I, I don't know. I mean, they said it's going to be close. I kind of feel like Barry's pretty fast though. I mean, if Barry can like run fast enough to break the space-time continuum, he's pretty fast. So yeah. Yeah. I don't I don't know if Kara is that fast, although Superman has been able to turn back time in his mm-hmm. <laughs> in his canon. Um, so 
there is a possibility that Kara is capable of the same. So I, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I really can't say because there's lots of evidence that points to either one of them, really. <laughs> um, well, we have seen in the last couple of episodes of Supergirl that she has been using her super speed. Um, when she's fighting people. So that's been kind of new. So I wondered if they started to introduce that a little bit so that they could work up to the fact that she would be, you know, fast enough to race the Flash. I kind of think the Flash should win just because he is the fastest man alive, but it would be kind of cool to see Supergirl beat him. (laughs) So uh, we'll, we'll have to see who actually does win. Uh, and lastly, if you're interested in DC superhero girls like we are, uh, make sure to tune into Boomerang at 10 a.m. on March 19th to see the DC superhero girls in their first TV special. Yeah, and this is very exciting because the trailer for this special had a lot of Supergirl in it. So uh, definitely check it out because it looks like she's heavily featured. So that's very exciting. I actually did see, I, I don't know exactly when it's coming out, but I I think I saw on Twitter within the last week they're going to do some kind of DC superhero book for a little girl. Like, they already yeah, t- yeah. put out the one, but I, I think I saw a cover last week that had Supergirl on it, and I... I wish I I wish I had it ready now, but because uh, the news just reminded me. But I'll have to I'll have to keep an eye out for next next time. Yeah, I actually went to Target recently and I saw the DC superhero girls merch there, and they had a lot of stuff. And I maybe bought a Supergirl action figure, and I love it because it says includes cape on it. And I was like, <laughs> why would you not include the cape? Of course you're gonna include. The I cape. I gotta go to one. I gotta go to a Target yesterday because I want one of those so badly. They're so cute. Or I might just have to order one online at this point because they look so adorable. It is it is cute. And they do have books there and the the one I saw had Wonder Woman on it. So I guess they're they're gonna end up putting out a Supergirl book as well. So definitely go to Target and check out the DC Superhero Girl stuff because it is there. Well let's uh, wrap up the news and get into our discussion of the season one episode called a falling. Here's the official description by CBS. Quote, Kara turns on her friends and the citizens of National City after being exposed to red kryptonite makes her malicious and dangerous. Also, Kat appears on the talk to discuss Supergirl, unquote. And Carly, I know you are really, really excited about red kryptonite (laughs) Kara. So what did you think about her getting exposed to red kryptonite in this episode? First things first, I need to, I just feel like I need hair and makeup tips from red kryptonite Kara because (laughs) she looks fierce. Uh, She looked so good. And it was funny because um, the scene where she comes out uh, the first day after being exposed to the red kryptonite and she's wearing that tight dress with the really cute shoes. Somebody made the point on Twitter, like everybody keeps looking at Kara like she's, you know, like, Oh man, like she's never dressed that way before, but everybody seems to forget that really tight, form-fitting dress that she wore to that party oh, to at the beginning party? to cat's party yeah. yeah i was like they always for they seem to forget because i guess you know that's not really i guess it's because it's not really her typical office wear so it was more of a uh, you know it, it had more heads turning than usual but one of the things that i really did like in terms of how Kara was even lit differently they found little ways to put red lighting on her mm. after she was exposed to the red kryptonite 
and I and I was following the director of the episode, Larry Tang, on Twitter because he was sort of live tweeting along with the episode last uh, night, and just saying like that was a very deliberate choice yeah. to to make it subtle in certain places and and then kind of more obvious when you could see they added like a little bit of an effect. Just you could see that the red kryptonite was actually in her, kind of working through her, right? Um, when it would when it would come out, you know, in her skin, sort of. So. It was fun at first, and then you realized how corruptive it was um, to Kara. Like, it was basically just giving her a pretty much a no uh, brain-to-mouth filter. <laughs> yeah, she was pretty honest. Maybe brutally honest. And it's one of those things where it's nothing that she really said was un- untrue. It was just... It was just painfully honest to a point, especially the the last one of the last scenes that she had with Alex when they were talking about Astra. And oh, it was just it was heartbreaking. I mean, anytime Kyler Lee cries, I know it's terrible. And you, I'm sure it was, you know, it, for Melissa Benoist, it was just as terrible to act like a, you know, like a mean person. But, um, it, you know, it, it, it wasn't, it was one of those things where, it, you have these thoughts in your head all the time, but you would never say them out loud. And with, so for Kara and the red kryptonite, it just, there was nothing, nothing held back. Yeah. She, uh, I, I will call her the red K Kara and the red K Supergirl. That's, that's how I distinguish her in my head. Um, but she has this really deep quote. She says, everyone knows real people have a dark side. And I got to thinking about that. And I was like, you know, that's actually really true. Um, you know, I have things that I think in my head during the day where sometimes I will think mean thoughts or um, I will say mean things or I will have to try to suppress things that I know or maybe not something I should say or, you know, something I should do. And it's hard to do the right thing all the time. It's hard to say the right thing. It's hard to encourage people sometimes because you you want to maybe call people out and and be really truly honest with people even if it's gonna uh be bad for them sometimes that's that's a that's a real temptation i think and so the red k Kara really delighted in being able to do that and i think what's remarkable about the real supergirl is she's able to kind of keep that in check and that's probably really hard for her because she has to be this beacon of hope but she's she also has to do it in a way I think to where like she's helping other people even if they're villains even if they're bad guys so I think that that says a lot about what a real hero she is that even if maybe real Kara has a dark side she can kind of keep that in check I think in the beginning when she was first exposed to the red kryptonite as as red K Kara it wasn't necessarily bad at first I thought if anything, I felt like she kind of carried herself with more confidence and she was able to stand up for herself more, which I actually liked. Like in her interactions with Siobhan, she she was more assertive. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, of course, it just got it. it, it this, this kryptonite was just so like it almost it it just the longer that it was inside her made everything so much worse. So then it got bad. But in the beginning, I was actually kind of like, I like that she's, you know, that she kind of walks in with her head held high and she's not afraid to be, you know, she kind of, it's, it was kind of like a little bit of payback because I felt like Siobhan tended to undercut her and walk all over her a little bit. And so it was in that sense, it was nice to see Kara 
you know, trying to put her foot forward with Kat and, like, try to get back up to where she was before she became assistant number two, you know? Um, Yeah, because she she ended up being a really good assistant. Right, Pekara comes in and she's got a list of all the potential replacements for Lucy ranked according to who Kat finds the least annoying. So, (laughs) like, she's being a really good assistant, but I think you're right that over time it becomes less, you know, of a, a, a strength for her and becomes something that really kind of tears her down in the end. Right. And it did seem sort of innocent at first to where, like, oh, she's, you know, dressing a little more confidently and, you know, she's calling Cat Cat instead of Miss Grant and and doing all those kinds of things. But then she kind of gradually, like, she's being bored at the DEO and mouthing off to Hank and um, and then she ends up, you know, throwing Cat off a balcony. So I think <laughs> things get a little progressively worse. So it is weird to see that, you know, I guess Red K kind of when it works through your system, or at least a Kryptonian system, it does get worse over time. Since we're talking about Red K Kara slash Supergirl, she has interactions throughout the episode with all of the people she cares about and how the Krypton, the Red K affects those relationships. So let's talk about a few of those. Um, What did you think about the interactions that the Red K Kara has with the James. Oh. <laughs> um, it, it's, it's, I felt like by the time you see Kara and James in a situation alone together, well, and not really alone, but they're at that, they're at that club slash party with the, where she got the, um, the tickets from Cat that DJ wasn't the DJ with the name that no one can pronounce. Yeah, or something, it was that like, line is like Scandinavian or something that she was Norwegian. Even gonna, yeah, 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 yeah. She wasn't even going to try to pronounce it. So by that point, I think the red kryptonite had had been in her system for so long that she was starting to get mean, and so by the time she really has a chance to kind of be more assertive with James, it's it's too much, too fast. She's starting to get a little rough with him physically. She hurts him when she's trying to pull him back, you know, yeah. not aware of the fact that her super strength can like really hurt him, you know, and then she starts talking trash about Lucy and calling her the poor man's Lois Lane. And Ooh. like, you know, she's trying to, she's, I think, I think if it had been normal Kara, it would have kind of, her intention was to try and to help James maybe get over Lucy by saying, you know, you, you're you it, it's like it would be like a normal pep talk of a for a friend when they go through a breakup like oh you're better off without them you know what i mean things that you say to a friend to kind of try and help them move on if they've had a if they've had a tough breakup but unfortunately since she was red k cara it was you know it was one of those things where it just was so so mean that you know completely turned him off and um I, I mean, I think they were already starting, he and Wynn were already kind of starting to realize that something was wrong with her, but that was like the tipping point. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and I think the thing that I kind of grabbed onto in that scene was the fact that the Red K Kara, when she's dancing with James, she takes her glasses off. Mm. And we've we've heard you know uh the showrunners talk about how when Kara removes her glasses that's a big deal that's a big deal emotionally for her because the glasses kind of keep her you know it keeps her secret identity intact but it also kind of 
protects her from being herself and kind of allowing her that freedom of being herself. And so when she takes the glasses off, she's like, you know, I'm me. And I think at one point the Red K car says, you know, I'm, I'm the most real I've ever been. And so uh, I, I thought that was a huge deal that she didn't care about her secret identity at that point. Who, who cares if people in here know that I'm Supergirl? They probably wouldn't have noticed, let's be honest, because everybody was dancing, having a good time. <laughs> and it was dark in there and it was loud and nobody cared. But for her to take off those glasses was a big, big deal. And so I think you do see in that scene that something clicks with James that he, he knows something's wrong with her. Um, so... I, I definitely thought their interaction was really interesting because Car, you know, you can see that Car and James kind of have feelings for each other, but this is not the way they want to go about addressing that, <laughs> I don't think. Right. And then I think it's too hard for him. So when she at the end tries to go back to apologize to him for everything that happened and then literally almost comes right out and tells him how she feels. Right. He can't, it's, it's like too soon. Like he can't, he's still kind of trying to reconcile all the things that she said that, you know, as, as harsh as they were, she, she, it was actually what was in her head to an extent. So it's kind of like, how do you come back from that to hear somebody like saying, well, I'm in love with you or, you know, however she was going to say it. Um, So I, you know, I think understandably he just needs a little time to kind of like work through things. And also I think, I don't know. I, I think he is starting to come to the conclusion that, you know, he says something to Kara about how he, you know, he wasn't really like in their relationship for the right reasons, or I can't remember the exact line that he used, but it was, it was similar along, you know, what we kind of talked about before when we talked about James and Lucy's relationship, like he realized that he was kind of staying in it and without really being fully invested in the relationship anymore. So I don't know. I think I feel like as a character, he kind of needs to be on his own for a little while (laughs) and not like jump into a relationship at all. So it's maybe it's kind of a good thing that he can, he and Carter, you know, it, 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 I never like to see a wedge, you know, a wedge driven between two characters. But in this case, I feel like it might be good for him to just kind of enjoy the single life for a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. And I liked James as a character for not rushing into anything with Kara after that whole thing went down, because he could have been like, Oh great. Kara likes me. Let's, you know, let's go out and, and explore what this is. But he didn't do that. He, he knew he needed some time. He knew he had just, kind of gotten over Lucy and he needed to be able to process all this information and I really respected him for not rushing into anything with her and I don't know if this was intentional but in that scene at the end when she comes to talk to him to try to kind of make make it up to him it didn't look like James and maybe his signal watch looks like a normal watch so maybe I'm reading into this but on his wrist he looked like he just had a regular watch on instead of the signal watch and I, I wondered if that was a way to show that maybe he was distancing himself from Supergirl and maybe Mm. kind of uh, showing that maybe he didn't trust her at this point. So I I, I thought that was interesting, and I don't know. I'm probably reading a little bit into that, but I I thought that was uh, a a visually uh, a way to kind of show where their relationship was at that point. So now I need to know. Supergirl writers, you have to... 
<laughs> if is, you're listening to this, tell us if that was a deliberate choice. Because if it is, that's kind of amazing. Is that the signal watch, or is it just a regular watch? Because I think it's different. I don't know if the yeah. I don't know if his watch like opens up and then you see the S. Like I don't know how that works. I'm gonna have to watch it again. I feel like it's a thing where you maybe it's like underneath the face of the watch is the button oh, or yeah, something. Yeah, it, it could totally be like that. And but. if that's the case, maybe he's still wearing it. But I and I, he. I would have assume, assumed he had it. I don't know if we saw it in the club when he call when Cat uh, calls him to get Supergirl to come see her. Um, but I just I just think that's really interesting because the signal watch is his connection to her and like he can contact her at any point with that. So uh, I'm I'm curious as to you know wonder if that's deliberate. But um, yeah, so James and Kara, we'll have to see what happens with them because they, they definitely, <laughs> uh, there were some game-changing things that happened in their relationship. Um, another relationship that Kara kind of butted heads against in this episode was her relationship with Hank slash Jean slash Martian Manhunter. Uh, what did you think about kind of all the harsh things that she was saying to him about how he was kind of hiding who he was? Oh, oh, Kara. <laughs> I feel like at that point, it's kind of, you know, it's like the pot calling the kettle black. It's a little, you know, you're, you're talking it, uh, Hank about hiding himself. But really, I mean, they both have secret identities. So, I mean, I think I it, it made it even more of a heartbreaking sacrifice when he became Martian Manhunter, like turned into himself in front of if that makes sense, but like revealed himself, his true form yeah, in front of the DEO, you know, it made that sacrifice all the more devastating because it was, you know, you knew he was doing it for selfless reasons to help Kara and Alex. And then that scene with him and Alex at the end where he basically tells her like, I'd spend a thousand years in the cell if, if it means that I can keep you and your sister safe. And I was just like, oh, <laughs> like, could he be any more amazing I and know. honorable? And just, he's just such a good person. I don't know. I guess I can say person. He's an alien, I guess. Tech Martian. He's yeah, such a good he's Martian. A, he's, a, he's a good Martian. He's a good Martian. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's so, it's devastating because I you don't really know how it's going to affect his relationship with the DEO moving forward you don't know what's really going to happen to his character and I felt a little bad for him because it seemed like he might have potentially had a little something going on with Senator Crane and now that's out the window <laughs> well, I don't know maybe it could well, still for happen now, for now um, I was like come on Hank needs a little love it too um, <laughs> but yeah I I just it was it was one of those things where if anybody was going to be able to stop Super Red K Supergirl, it probably would have only been able to be Martian Manhunter, um, just given how far the Red Kryptonite had progressed in her system and just how dangerous she was. Because, I mean, she was left and right just leaving destruction in her wake at that point yeah, uh, in I, National I City. So. I don't want to hear people talk about that Man of Steel destruction anymore because Red K Kara was like... Busting up monitors and setting cop cars on fire. So, dang. I'm just saying she was roughing some stuff up. She was pretty dangerous. And I like your point about how Martian Manhunter John, he, even though she was saying terrible things to, to him about 
hiding who he was and and his responsibilities, but he protected her too, I think. Not only did he protect Alex, but he protected Kara from murdering her sister, basically. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was a really interesting choice that he was willing to sacrifice himself and his identity and his safety in order to prevent Kara from making a mistake that she was going to regret it almost kind of like how he stuck up for Alex when Alex had to make the tough call and kill Astra in order to protect him. So I think their dynamic is really, it's very, I don't want to say juicy, but there's a lot, there. there's a lot of substance there. It's, it almost, and it's, they always talk about how like David Harewood's always ta- talked about how Hank's like a father figure to Kara and Alex. I'm like, I, I don't know. I feel like, it's, he's more than a father figure, just given all the times that he's been there for them to support them, even when they really haven't even realized it at the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, it's, oh, it just, it makes me very emotional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very good. Those scenes were really good. And I, and I like the moment in the episode where it's kind of slow motion and you see that decision, like you can see Hank slash Jean like contemplating what do I do here and and he ends up making the the right call and it's that's just such a cool moment in the episode where it's like slow motion into the transformation so I like that a lot yeah and it's you know for him the right call wasn't the easy call oh yeah and it didn't I mean it it you know he could have he could have stayed back but then who knows what would have happened so it was you know he made he made the right call but it involved kind of self-sacrifice of sorts so in terms of his you know in terms of his hidden identity so oh, i just have so many hank jean feels <laughs> he's wonderful yeah oh, yes yes well and we've talked a little bit about alex but uh i guess we can talk about her now that red k clara really not only did she threaten to kill Alex with her heat vision, but she said some really cutting things to Alex about their their relationship. What did you think about the way that Kara on Red Kryptonite interacted with Alex? Yeah, it, oh, <laughs> that scene, oh, there was so many, especially the worse that she got, the harder it was um, and the more emotional it became just to just watching, you know, as as an audience member um all of those things that i'm sure as as somebody who was adopted into the danvers family Kara has thought about is alex really my sister even though we're not biologically related like we don't have that blood connection i'm sure that's something that she's probably mulled over in her mind over the years especially you know being a Kryptonian and somebody who, you know, isn't human. And that's like, that kind of makes the divide even greater than it would be if she was just a regular, like adopted human girl. Um, but I think for Alex, it's even more heartbreaking because she never, I mean, probably when they were younger, it might've been, you know, you, we've seen like the backstory of their relationship and I'm sure it was probably, a little difficult for Alex to like warm up to Kara at first and you see them getting closer and like the cute little scene of them flying and Mm -hmm. getting caught and that kind of thing, like (laughs) the adorableness. And so I think now that they're both uh, young women, you know, adults, I think Alex never, never wants Kara to feel like they're not real sisters because in her mind they are. 
So to hear that from her, it's like, you know, it's one of the most hurtful things I think that Kara could have ever said to her. Oh, yeah. She says, deep down, you hate me. And that's yeah. why you killed my aunt. Ugh. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that Ugh. is, that is harsh. And yeah. I, I think what I, what I think is really interesting is that in previous episodes, we've seen Alex kind of deal with her feelings about being Kara's sister and how, how much of a responsibility that is for her. You know, she kind of felt like she needed to protect Kara. But in this episode, we saw that Kara considered, or read K Kara, and I guess deep down somewhere, the real Kara feels like this, that that protection that Alex thinks that she's giving Kara, Kara thinks of that as Alex is trying to control me. So I think it's really interesting. Now we're seeing kind of what Kara really feels about their relationship, even though they do have this great sisterly dynamic, there is some tough stuff there in terms of them being adopted and kind of working out their non-biological relationship and having to deal with, you know, one of them is a human and one of them is an alien. And how did they, how are they able to reconcile all of that kind of stuff and still love each other, even though things are hard, that, that relationship is tough. So I, I think it was really powerful to me that Alex kind of rose above it and, uh, that she, you could tell she sort of took it to heart a little bit because, Red K. Caro says that Alex feels worthless and and kind of calls her out on that. What did you think about the scene at the end when Kara kind of comes out of the red kryptonite haze and there's the scene with her and Alex and, and kind of their interaction after all of this has gone down? Melissa Benoist, uh, I, ha- I feel like this... I mean, for her, I was just excited because I I said in the last week's episode, like, oh, I'm just excited for her to play a mean character. But she went through the gamut of emotions in this episode. And you just see the devastation on Kara's face when she comes out of it and realizes everything that, you know, she had. She was somewhere deep down, you know, the unaffected Kara was in there realizing everything that was going on, but being completely unable to stop it. And so when she comes out of it and realizes everything that she said and done, it's so heartbreaking for her. But I felt I was, it, I mean, it was really gratifying in the moment to just see Alex be there for her. Even though I don't know if she necessarily, it didn't really seem like she felt like there was anything she could really say that would make it better in the moment. Just, I think, just the fact that she was there spoke volumes about their relationship and how she still cares about Kara. <laughs> oh, yeah. And one of the things I love is that, you know, the Red K Kara says to her, you know, deep down, you hate me. And in that scene, Alex makes a point to say, you know, I love you and you're my sister. And I thought that was really great. And most Benoist broke my heart because the moment when she sees what she's done to Alex, that she's broken her arm. Even though, you know, I mean, <laughs> women are tough. We're, we're, yeah. t- we're tough cookies. We can get over broken arms and broken bones. I've done it several times. I did it when I was six years old, and I fell off a wall like a dummy. Um, <laughs> uh, it was not a tall wall. It was just a little yard, you know, wall in my backyard. But, um, you know, broken bones heal, 
And that was something Alex has probably experienced before with the DEO. She's probably had many broken bones. But for Kara to realize that she harmed her sister, that I think was what, I mean, the first thing she says when she kind of wakes up is, you know, did I kill anyone? Mm. And that was her first, you know, inclination of, you know, I've done something bad. I hope I didn't do something that I really, really didn't want to do, like kill someone. But then when she sees what she's done to Alex, that's what killed me is that that's what makes Cara break down is that she's hurt her sister because she didn't want to do that. And so that scene was just, oh, yeah. I this, There have been several episodes this season where I'm like, oh, this, this was the Melissa Benoist episode. This is the one. This is the one. This is her best performance of the season. But I think this one might have been it. <laughs> she might do something later that tops it. But this this one was a really good one because you got to see all the different facets of Kara and how the real Kara doesn't want to hurt anyone and she doesn't want to be mean to her sister. And so it it, it really goes to show what her, you know, those emotions that come out are, are her real feelings. And the last relationship that I want to talk about in terms of <laughs> Red K Kara causing a bunch of chaos is her relationship with Cat Grant because we haven't really... In my mind, we haven't really seen them bond in a while ever since that debacle of an episode that we won't talk about because we hashed it out on Supergirl Radio many times. Um, but we haven't kind of seen Kat and Kara kind of bond in a while, and especially since Siobhan's shown up. Uh, there's been some distance there. Um, but there was some interesting stuff going on with Kat and the real Kara and the real Supergirl and the Red K Kara. So what did you think about the scene when Supergirl throws her off the balcony. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I mean, I saw it in the preview. They, they showed it. Yeah. And I was like, I mean, I, they're not going to kill her. I, I, I had a feeling they weren't going to kill Cat Grant. So <laughs> it was like, I was like, I feel like this is probably Red K Supergirl doing something to make a point. You know, or what? And, and it turns out she was. She was making the point that, you know, she was like, I can basically. I could kill you anytime I wanted, but I'm choosing not to today. Like, you're safe. But um, it's interesting to me that Kat... I mean, Kat pretty much went toe-to-toe with her in terms of just standing up to her and kind of calling her out on stuff, Mm -hmm. (laughs) on her bad attitude. At first, I think she respected it. Yeah, yeah. I think she she was kind of intrigued by it. Like, the fact that maybe Carl wasn't super full like when when you know because she because even uh regular supergirl called her miss grant and so i think with the when she calls her and she calls her cat too and she's like that's like when her ears first perk up she's yeah. like oh, what um and then of course it just it devolved from there but compare it's interesting because i think almost to more of a degree the whole experience now it almost feels like Cat and Supergirl are bonding a little more than Cat uh, and Kara, mm. especially in the very last scene where uh, Supergirl goes to see Cat to apologize and then just like sits with her. Yeah, I felt like that moment. In that moment, it felt like she, as Supergirl, she was closer to Cat than she has been as Kara. Yeah. yeah, so that that was really fascinating to me, and it was. It was a really interesting way to end the episode, just like a very quiet kind of fade out scene. Um, 
I don't know. What did you think about that? Yeah, no, I thought it was uh, that whole scene right before the Red Kate uh, Supergirl throws her off the balcony. I, I was just like eyes glued to the TV because there was so much tension. And I think you're right. Cat uh, Grant was the one who was like, oh, we're going to talk like this now? Okay, let's <laughs> right. let's go. Because, you know, Kat doesn't, we don't really see her back down from a fight. And I think she's even said stuff like that when she kind of confronts Livewire and, and things of that nature. She she is one who will, if you get up in her face, she's going to get right back into your face. So I think I think that is fascinating that she was not really afraid of that version of Supergirl. But when she throws her off the balcony, and I was surprised, and I don't know where what I thought was going to happen, because like you, I was like, they're not going to kill Kat. But that's really interesting that she's... She, there's no net to catch her. How, what, how is she going to be okay after this? So I was kind of surprised that the Red K Supergirl caught her um, because maybe somewhere deep down she didn't want Kat to die. Um, mm. But I thought it was interesting that she tries to make this point where she says, you know, true power is deciding who will live and who will die. And that I think there's a lot of truth in that. And I think that's something that Supergirl and Superman have to deal with on a daily basis because they're not going to always be able to save everyone. And so there are some people who, if Supergirl's not around to help, you know, maybe something will happen and they will die. I mean, I hate to say that, but that's that's a fact of the matter. The Supergirl can't be everywhere at the same time. So there may be people she's not able to help. And so I thought that was a really interesting thing to throw in there um, that Red Kate Supergirl would would think that that's true power that, you know, not necessarily wanting to help people, but being able to decide who dies. That is dark. Um, So I thought that was a really interesting thing to to bring up with them. But I'm like you. I really like the ending scene with cat and supergirl just on the balcony because that's i think the balcony or or cat even i think is supergirl's place to kind of find solace a little bit maybe that's her her uh fortress of solitude in the city her balcony of solace her her balcony of solace i like that (laughs) um it's somewhere where i think she feels safe and I liked that she kind of perched up there a little bit to where she could see the city. And she has that really great speech about the windows in the city and how, um, you know, she can kind of see, you know, and imagine the the lives that everybody has going on. And it's just a, a, a really uh, great little speech that she gives. What does she say? Hang on. She says... To me, every person in this city is a light. And every time I've helped one of them, a little bit of their light has become part of me. And I think that that's maybe part of why Supergirl does have that goodness in her and does have that um, light side to her that maybe the Red Kara doesn't because the Red Kara value power and the ability to make the choices on who dies rather than helping people. And so I think that that getting to hear the real car, the real Supergirl, be honest with herself about that and to to say that with Kat. And, and Kat was a, a person who was going to listen to her and kind of interact with her. So uh, I really, really like that scene. I really missed scenes with the two of them because we haven't really gotten, you know, some scenes where they kind of bonded in a while. So I really enjoyed that. And I also liked that Kat even... Uh, 
when Supergirl apologizes to Cat, Cat's like, "Oh please, I wasn't scared. I base jumped Mount Kilimanjaro." Um, she tried to play it off like it was no big deal, um, but I mean, I'm sure that was terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> one of the one of the funniest parts of the episodes for me was when. <laughs> when they were talking about uh, the, the, some of the other characters were talking about the whole event where Supergirl threw Cat off the building and then Wynn just goes, she killed Miss Grant? Like, yeah. like no one prefaced it with she's fine, but um, and then Maxwell Lord's like, no, Cat's fine, she has nine lives. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which was a terrible cat pun. But, <laughs> but, Jer- but Jeremy Jordan's delivery was just so perfect that I started laughing. That was really uh, funny. It was so good. That and the, and the line where Kara comes up in Cat's elevator on the second day and he goes, you're literally impervious to bullets and I'm worried for your safety right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was dressing like Cat and walking like Cat and getting all up in her private elevator so she didn't have to walk amongst the normal people. Oh, yeah, that was that was dangerous. So funny. Um, and in terms of Cat's interaction and her stuff in this episode, she had a lot to do with the media. Now, there's the fun stuff we can talk about, about her being on the talk and talking about Supergirl with them. But then there's also the, the kind of things she does at the end to kind of protect the city from the craziness that was Red K. Kara. So I guess we'll talk about the fun stuff first. Um, what did you think about Kat on the talk? It's <laughs> just so silly. <laughs> um, I love that she apparently has some, like, weird feud with Sharon Osbourne, apparently. <laughs> um <laughs> that was funny. Like I don't I don't know why, but I thought that was really funny that they kind of had a little snarky moment between oh, the two yeah. of them. Um It was catty. Yes. It was very catty. Um I mean, I really felt like unfortunately, I and mean, you talked about this before, like it was kind of a little bit of like CBS, you know, I don't know, what do you call it? It's a uh, synergy, C- I would call it. CBS synergy. synergy. Yeah. Like it really could have just been any talk show, fictional or otherwise. I didn't really feel like it added anything to the episode. Although it was funny because I think there apparently there were some people on social media on Monday night who didn't realize that the talk was an actual show that airs oh. in real life. And so people were like a little confused, I think, by I guess it plays that, both ways. Yeah. I mean, it, it could be like the, the national city version of the talk. But they didn't realize, I think, it had a real-life counterpart, which is kind of <laughs> funny. Um, but I think the purpose of that was to juxtapose the beginning of the episode where she appears on TV to talk about how Supergirl's so great and she's, you know, real, like a hero and everything. And then you see that, you see Cat Grant's little kind of monologue speech that's laid over the cute little interaction that Supergirl has with the girl Laura and who she's being picked on. So to juxtapose that against when the next time that she's on the air, it's to tell everybody that Supergirl's dangerous and that she may not be the hero that everyone thinks that she is. So in, in that sense, I liked that it was, it, it, you see the two sides of it um, in terms of Cat Grant addressing the media and also having the ability, I guess, to just broadcast nonstop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she said something about, like, play it on Put a it loop. on a loop, yeah. yeah. So, I thought, I mean, in terms of it, in terms of her being on the talk, I felt like that was kind of a superfluous thing that could have 
it could have been really any talk show. Um, but to, in contrast with what she has to, you know, the, this, the warning that she issues later, I liked that kind of uh, comparison, especially because then we see the fallout from Red K Supergirl and how everybody's reacting to that news. And you see Supergirl in the bar and they did that nice little callback to, uh, was it Superman 3? Yep. With the peanuts in the bowl, <laughs> which I didn't realize at first, and then I and then I saw other people freaking out, and I watched the scene from the movie, and I was like, "Oh, it's so perfect! It's literally like she even empties the bowl yep. the same way that Christopher Reeve does in the movie, which is amazing." Cat likes to go on these talk shows and talk about how awesome Supergirl is. She even says Supergirl is everything you think she is, mm. and what broke my heart for Kat in this episode was that she says she has to publicly denounce Supergirl as a villain. Mm. And that that kind of you know, changes the conversation. It's not just, oh, Supergirl's this great inspiring being out there uh, who is the kindest person I've ever known and who does all this great stuff. She's strong and she's brave and she inspires us to be our best selves. But here Kat is I think she struggled with the decision on whether to denounce her as a villain. I don't think she wanted to do that. But what I liked about Kat in this episode is that she put the city, she put National City before herself. She knew that people were not safe as long as the Red Cake Supergirl was out there because she was dangerous. So I liked that Kat was kind of putting her own feelings aside and kind of doing what she thought she needed to do for the city. And I liked that a lot. And I I think she even, and maybe I'm reading a little bit into this, but it looked like Callista sort of wiped her her finger uh, around her eye at the end of her big speech when she didn't when she denounces her. Almost like Cat was like holding back tears. So I I think that that was a big moment for Cat because she you know she didn't want to have to do that. Yeah. Um, And and speaking of National City, like what do you think's gonna have to happen for Supergirl to to gain everybody's trust back? Oh, I don't know. It's I mean, it's going to be hard because I feel like if it well, it's 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 good because on the one hand, she didn't kill anyone. <laughs> um, but she did cause a lot of property damage. So mm, I don't know. It's going to be tough because it's one of those things where it's like, where's her accountability in terms of having to kind of own up for all the like the terrible things that she did especially you know it's kind of an interesting debate I guess when you're talking about like super powered people you know they don't really have to answer to anybody in terms of somebody who has authority over them so the question I guess now is is I guess how is Kara going to really answer to National City for the mistakes that she made. Well, I mean, she didn't have control over what she was doing, but unfortunately I don't think that's really going to make a difference to people. Um, so I don't know. It'll be interesting. It'll be interesting to see what happens. There's going to be a lot of angst, (laughs) which I know you like. I do like that. Um, well, I, I saw some people on Twitter, uh, during the live tweeting, uh, kind of speaking what I was thinking in my head as well, that 
This is sort of like the last, uh, I guess it's like a two-parter of Superman the Animated Series where Superman gets brainwashed by Granny Goodness and he does a lot of bad things in the name of Darkseid and he sort of uh, starts a, a takeover of Earth and everyone is scared of him. And he has a conversation later when he's kind of broken free of the brainwashing and kind of remembers who he is. He talks with Lois about, you know, how am I going to win everybody's trust back? And they talk about how he has to do it one person at a time. And so maybe that's what Supergirl has to do. And I'm kind of hoping that Kat will help her with that because she is the queen of all media. And maybe she can help, you know, rebrand Supergirl a little bit. And I think that's a tough spot for Kat because Kat is kind of the reason, uh, the indirect reason that Supergirl has fallen. Because Kat is the one who announced to everyone that she was a threat that she was dangerous even though it was true and it was the right call to make cat is kind of partially responsible for that so i'm hoping that cat can make that up to her a little bit so i'm i'm looking forward to seeing how supergirl can win everybody's trust back that's true i didn't think about it like that because i feel like as the most powerful person in national city right (laughs) um I feel, I mean, Cat Grant definitely has a significant amount of influence, especially, I think, in terms of the public perception of, the public's perception of Supergirl. So, if anything, if anything's really going to help renew National City's trust in her, I feel like Cat's probably going to have to have a a big part of that. The last thing we should probably talk about is what happens to Siobhan. Uh, She gets fired from Catco. And uh, what do you think is going to happen with Siobhan? No more hanky-panky in the closet with <laughs> wind. <laughs> um, well, we know what's going to happen with her character, so I feel like this is the beginning of that. Um, maybe down her, this is like her going down to the dark side a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, cat values loyalty. And so... Siobhan basically shot herself in the foot when she sent, tried to send that scoop to Kat's rival. Yeah, the Daily Kat's Planet. Kat's number one and, competitor. And, and specifically, she was trying to email Perry White, which I thought yep. was very interesting. Yeah, so I don't blame Kat for for firing her. I right. think it's, it's she she's, and she talks about, I think she's, her character has kind of spoken to this in previous episodes about how loyalty is important in terms of who she hires and who works for her. So, you know, it's, it's why, uh, she ended up, she kind of ended up getting the drop on who was that, who was the guy that was hacking her, he responsible for hacking her emails. I mean, she doesn't put up with any of that stuff. Oh yeah. So <laughs> not surprising. Um, but I, I, so I feel like this is probably going to be the event that, set Siobhan down the path to being somebody that pops up later to create some trouble. (laughs) Well, and yeah, I think this not only gives Siobhan a reason to dislike Kara, because Mm -hmm. she thinks that Kara, you know, the real Kara was the one responsible for this, even though it was the Red K Kara who kind of turns her in. Um, But it also gives her, I think, maybe kind of a reason to hate Supergirl as well, because of the whole uh, the video that she tried to to show as proof that Supergirl was not right, 
in the head. And so I think there there's kind of a double whammy there that maybe Siobhan is going to turn on Kara and Supergirl and Cat Grant probably. So I'm I'm very intrigued into to what is going to to happen with Siobhan later on down the road. Well, um, is there anything we left out? What are your overall thoughts about this episode? I think this might be my favorite episode so far overall. Um, I mean, there have been other episodes previously that I really liked, like uh, here uh, Human for a Day. Mm-hmm. That's also one of my, my top five, but I think this one might be number one now. <laughs> Um, it was just, it's just so much to really enjoy. Like there was the humor in it, you know, when Kara accidentally sees Wynn and Siobhan with their x-ray vision. <laughs> and I have to wonder how many things that she wishes she could unsee <laughs> because of her x-ray vision. That's probably true. There's probably so many things that she wishes she could forget because she accidentally saw them. Um, Not the greatest power. It comes in handy when you need it, but you probably don't want it all the time. <laughs> probably do at least she can turn it on and off but even so there's probably been some accidental things that she's witnessed well and she (laughs) and she has to turn her glasses down i think in order to use it i think yeah i think she puts it puts the glasses down yeah yeah because i think way back at the beginning of the season there was an interview i think with dean kane where he talked about how there was a deleted scene with jeremiah danvers where he makes those glasses for her so that it will keep her x-ray vision kind of under control. So I think that is why she has to kind of tip down the glasses in order to use them. So, uh, yeah, so that probably helps her as long as she has, maybe that's why she wears it. Maybe it's not the secret, protecting the secret identity as to why she wears the glasses. Maybe it's just so she doesn't see things she doesn't want to see all day. (laughs) No, it was, but it was such a good episode overall. Um, just the journey that we see Kara go on when she's affected by the red kryptonite and, uh, and then the fallout at the end that you see a little bit of, and Melissa Benoist, I mean, come on. Yeah. I, I just want to sit back and applaud because <laughs> she's phenomenal. And this episode I think is, was one of the best ever for her um, in terms of how much range she got to show off. Because, you know, you get to see Kara as confident, and then she's also really sad, and she's also kind of a villain a little bit. So that was really good. The only thing that I think might was kind of, it felt a little bit like an afterthought, was the whole Maxwell Lord was the one that created the red kryptonite, and then he just kind of... He just kind of showed up and, like, built the gun to stop her. He can do that stuff really quickly. Right? Like, it seemed very, it seemed kind of, that they kind of just nudged that part in a little bit. Um, But overall, I really liked it. It was an interesting, it was an interesting twist to have the red kryptonite be a man-made synthetic. Yeah, because you never know what other kind of kryptonite can be made if they need it. So it's interesting, but yeah, I, <laughs> Maxwell Lord just cracks me up anyway, in general. So, um, but overall, yes, very strong episode, lots of fun, lots of feels. <laughs> it was very good. Yeah, I was initially kind of meh about Kara being infected with red kryptonite because I've seen this stuff before. I've seen Clark Kent on Smallville with red <laughs> kryptonite. 
infections uh, throughout that show. And, you know, you see it on Lois and Clark. You know, I, I've just I've been there, done that with Kryptonians and Kryptonite. But my personal favorite Supergirl stories are always ones in which she kind of has to go up against a version of herself. And I think this was a great example of that because she is kind of her own worst enemy, I think. And Allie Adler actually um, had an interview with TVInsider.com where she said a really great quote that I think sums up that struggle that Kara was having. She said, the demons we fight within ourselves are generally the greatest villains we have. And I, I think that said so much about, like you, we're talking about the, the journey that Kara has to go on throughout this this one episode, she had a little bit of a journey and uh, she could kind of see the monster that she could become if she let her guard down and, and let herself experience the dark side. So I was glad that she was able to come out of that and maybe that will make her a stronger hero and uh, make her relationships with everybody a little stronger because they all kind of went through this with her and they came out on the other side. And maybe some of the things, you know, she's going to have to repair some relationships with James or maybe even a little bit with Alex and, of course, National City. But I think things will be better because of it because once you come out that other end, you know, you have <laughs> you only have to go up. You know, you can't you can't go much further down than being the darkest version of yourself. So uh, I, I, I look forward to seeing what happens with Kara and how she kind of tries to repair everything that she's done um, because she is such a good hero and a noble hero and uh, someone you can aspire to to be like. All right. Well, um, that's going to do it for our discussion. But let's find out what our listeners had to say about this episode titled Falling. At Beg Alexandra says, This episode really showed us how much Kara tries to suppress her pain slash anger because she's always so cheerful. Hmm. That's what happens when you tamp it all down sometimes. <laughs> it's to be, you know, I mean, I, I think to this, with the red K, kind of kicked it into overdrive, but it speaks to can't the bottle, fact that, Can't bottle yeah, it up. Can't bottle it up. Uh, at Aliota Ons says, it was a great episode. I really loved this one. At Kenny Crayley says, super great episode. Melissa Benoist and Kyler Lee were super amazing. At Paradox Kid says, falling was a deep one. Melissa, Kyler, Hank, Cat remain the gems of the show. Surprise Non was a no show. Uh, Lord annoys me now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, where was Non when all? Where were the other Kryptonians while this was going down? Right, especially because Maxwell doesn't Maxwell Lord say that he 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 used or he was trying to use the red Kryptonite to get back at Non. Yeah, yeah. So that was interesting. Maybe he'll pop up soon. It's a good thing Non Non didn't go on the red Kryptonite. He might have been worse. I was going to say, would have been much of a difference from regular non? Well, that's true. I don't know. Would he have been any more worse than he normally is? At Madtown, Davidson says, I thought that was a great episode. So many emotional Alex Cara moments. It broke my heart when Cara cried at the end. Me too. Yeah. At Bethany Op-Ed says, writing, directing, acting were all so on point. Best show on TV, and Melissa Benoist took it to a whole new level. At Dwayne I.B., says, the nod to Superman 2 completely won me over. This episode was definitely a game changer. And that definitely was Superman 3, uh, <laughs> which I had to go back and rewatch myself, because I remembered him flicking the peanuts 
but I didn't remember him toppling over the 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 bowl of them. But he, I mean, it was a definite like spot on parallel visual. So yeah, that was very much an homage to Superman three. And I agree with this tweet that it was a definite game changer for everybody across the board. At Handel Lynn says, genius episode. Give us more. Bring on season two. I agree with that one. <laughs> Bring a season two yesterday. <laughs> um, at like a ditzy do says, has Clark ever gotten this bad on red K? Cause Kara was downright evil. Absolutely amazing episode. I don't know. Would you consider robbing banks in Metropolis pretty <laughs> evil? I, I think I probably would. Yeah, it's um, pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, at Autumn Wisen Me Too says, I'm curious to see how everyone at the DEO will handle discovering that Hank is Manhunter. Wow. I'm, oh, I hope Hank doesn't suffer too much, but I, I have a feeling the DEO is not going to be too happy. <laughs> uh, at M. Teeston says, Melissa Benoist really got to show her acting skills, and we had some great Cat Grant scenes. I agree with that. At BruinsFan3725 says, I think it was the best yet. A lot of a- amazing action and some serious emotion, and Kara finally changed her fashion style. <laughs> she wore a uh, lot of black, which means, you know, when you wear black as a hero, that means you're, you're in a bad spot. You're, you're being villainous. Yeah, and then the outfit at the end it was very Astra uh, Astra esque. Yep, she was Although, we- she was wearing Astra's clothing and the and the lip gloss and the eye makeup. Yeah, she was evil. Although part of me was I was curious because she had like the ju- the little black jumpsuit kind of outfit, but she still had the symbol on on the jacket part. So it was interesting because I was like, I wonder if that's a little thing like a, a nod to maybe like. Supergirl still being in there a little bit. I don't know. Or maybe that's just like she, you know, that's still like a Kryptonian thing. I think I was, that's I think that's part of it. I like that interpretation. I, I'd have to go back and look. I should have gone to look back at Astra's actual outfit because I would assume that she would have to wear that uh, S-Shield on there just because she's part of the House of L. I think mm-hmm. she is the part of the House of L. Um, but no... I don't know. Hang on. Alora yeah. married into the House of L. So I don't know that she would actually... So that's I, that's an interesting point. I would, If listeners have any comments on that, we would love to hear them because that is an interesting point you bring up, Carly. Yeah, I, was, I, I caught it when I was watching the episode on Monday night and I was wondering if, if that was like a, a deliberate thing because it looked like it was, you know, it was... She was kind of wearing it like on her breast, and yeah. so not not over the entire front, but it was a little subtle thing. So I'd be curious to know if that was a you know if the positioning of that was something to kind of show that maybe it was Kara was still in there a little bit. And it's sort of kind of uh, a throwback to one of the comic book cost versions of her costume that uh, Supergirl has has a little S shield on her shirt. Um, in that same location. So that's kind of a, a neat little comic book Easter egg. At Sunshine Quake says, one of the best episodes of the season. At Call Me Topez says, the great episodes keep rolling in. Another fave, Melissa Benoist's best performance. I would agree with that. Yeah. I think this is, I think this is her strongest episode, or, or if not the strongest, one of the strongest to yep. date. 
uh, at bman923 says, this episode was amazing. Melissa did an amazing job. <laughs> at Larry Tang says, I'm biased. <laughs> yeah, the director of the episode didn't want to comment and leave his feedback because uh, he might be a little biased in whatever <laughs> he writes. So that was, that was kind of cool for him to chime in. Well, we also got an email from a listener named Stefan who writes, quote, Red Kryptonite is so overused now, it's become cliché. I'd rather the writers and producers do an episode on black or pink kryptonite, unquote. Um, and I was sort of going into that episode, into falling, I would have thought the same thing because, you know, I'm kind of over red kryptonite myself. But I think the way they did it throughout the episode was really great. And Stefan, it's just the first season. There are all kinds of colors of <laughs> kryptonite. I mean, Smallville throughout its 10 seasons had green kryptonite, black kryptonite, red kryptonite, blue kryptonite, gold kryptonite, and silver kryptonite. So we could see all kinds of colors of kryptonite show up on the show. We can get the whole kryptonite rainbow up in here. Yep. yep. <laughs> um, listener named Gregory sent us an email saying, quote, Despite her breaking the heart of National City, Kara's relationship with Kat seems to be on the right track again at the end of the episode. But before the end of the episode, Bad Kara was showing Kat a thing or two about being powerful with attitude. <laughs> I assume now that Martian Manhunter has been outed along with his shape-shifting abilities, it will only be a matter of time before Kat reprises her conviction that Kara and Supergirl are the same person again. Especially when Kara's bad attitude at work surfaced at the exact same time Supergirl turned bad. I am sensing an undoing of blood bonds. I, ho I hope so, Gregory. I would like to see Kat put the you know two and two together again like she did the first time. Um, I don't know if they'll allow her to know the secret. Uh, maybe by the end of the season. Uh, because, like, I mean, if you think about it, if Kat knew the secret... Maybe she would have put a little more faith into Red K. Kara, and she maybe would have thought twice about letting the news out. Like, I don't know. Would, would she have been able to do something about the situation if she knew about the secret? So uh, I, I definitely think, you know, she noticed that Kara was uh, up to no good in the office and that Supergirl was not uh, something was wrong with Supergirl. So I wonder if she does put it together. I have a prediction. I'm gonna uh -oh. predict. I'm gonna predict right now. Cat finds. Cat finds out that Kara is Supergirl in the finale. Okay. All right. Well, we're no. sti we're sticking a flag in it. We'll see. Finale of season one. I'm gonna call it. I'm. Gonna, I feel like it's gonna happen. Eight ball in the corner pocket. We're calling it right now. <laughs> All right. Well, we have another email from Jennifer who asks, quote, I am interested in learning more about when Supergirl met the Legion of Superheroes, and I have been trying to search it out on both Comixology and Amazon, and it looks like they only have it up to volume three. I'm sure eventually I will have to go to my local comic book store and ask them if they have volume one, and I'd like to think that I try to be a completist and read from the very beginning and not starting from the middle. So if you girls know about the first volume, I would really appreciate the help, unquote. Um, Jennifer, I personally don't know exactly where to find this volume that you're trying to find. I've, I looked it up myself and I tried to, to locate it. But um, if any of our listeners, because I know you guys are smart, if anybody knows what she's talking about and knows where to find it, let us know. Send us an email at supergirlradio at gmail.com and we can help Jennifer out. I know we can do it. Someone out there can find it for her. Um, so let, let's make that happen. Yeah, Jennifer, I'm a completist too, so I totally know how you feel right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I always want to read from the beginning, so I totally know how you feel. It's the best so, place to start in a story. Help her out, listeners. Um, 
Campbell wrote in saying, quote, I don't understand why the DEO keeps showing up places and firing completely useless bullets at superpowered aliens. In falling, even when they knew Supergirl was out of her mind, their whole plan was to distract her with useless bullets until Alex could shoot her with Max Lord's special gun. Hank had to expose himself because this was such a dumb plan. In the pilot, the DEO very easily captured Supergirl by shooting her out of the sky with kryptonite darts. Yeah, that's a really good point to bring up the kryptonite darts, but I think they actually did have some crypt- green kryptonite lasery guns, because uh, you, you, you can see when they fire the guns at the Red K car at the very end and kind of the big showdown at the end, they it is like green, I guess, ammunition coming out of the gun. So they tried to do something with green kryptonite, but I guess green kryptonite doesn't do anything to red kryptonite. I don't know how that works. I don't know if the red kryptonite protects her from the green kryptonite. I don't know how that works. So uh, your, gu- your guess is as good as mine, Campbell. Um, and for our last email, we got one from Ricard who asks, quote, wouldn't Clark slash Superman show up and try to stop or reason with Kara? I know he isn't really part of the show, but if we ignore that, she really was going way off the rails. And wouldn't he try to do something about it? She is his cousin, after all, and his only blood relative, unquote. Um, and that's that's a good point. Um, Carly, I don't know. What do you think about that? It's one of those things where I feel like the show in only having Superman pop up occasionally, like in terms of sending Kara and I am or something like the way that he's done where they, they kind of acknowledge his presence, but they don't want it to be something that's kind of, you know, an important facet of the show, because I agree it's Supergirl's show. Like we don't need Superman to come in all the time. The problem is that he, I mean, he did come at one point in an earlier episode to help her out. Yeah. We got, like, a blurry shot of him in Kara's vision. Um, so, I think, I, I mean, I, I kind of agree a little bit with Ricard. Like, why wouldn't he come and help when clearly, like, she wasn't, she wasn't just a danger to herself. She was a danger to other people. So, I feel like sometimes it's a little bit hard to reconcile, like, why he's there in some points and not there in others. But I don't think it was really necessary in this episode because Hank was able to stop Kara and, you know, it, it served the purpose of kind of resolving a little bit of Hank having to keep his secret identity, you know, his, his Martian Manhunter side hidden and all that. So, I mean, that, that was kind of a little progression for his storyline. So it, for that reason, I don't think we really needed Superman to show up, but you know, it's sometimes I think it's hard to like have him show up in some scenes that don't really make sense. And then other scenes you're kind of like, well, why wouldn't he come and help? You know? Yeah, it's tough. But part of me thinks, well, could Superman really even do anything? I mean, even if he came and stopped her, he couldn't have gotten the red kryptonite out of her system. So right. you, you needed the DEO. You needed Maxwell Lord to step in and do something to kind of create the antidote to fix the problem. Whereas with Martian Manhunter, he could physically take her down. And then also serve the story point of forcing Jean to reveal himself. So 
I, I think in some ways she kind of didn't need Superman, but I can understand the problem. But, I mean, Kara does reference her, her quote, cousin uh, in this episode. She says, every Kryptonian on this planet wants to kill me except my cousin, and I have to live with that. And he could, too. Um, so I think maybe the Red K Kara didn't want to have anything to do with Clark. She didn't want to have anything to do with Superman. Um, and she I, sort of sounded like she resented him a little bit. So uh, I think that brought out some some weird feelings about her relationship with her cousin. So, I, yeah, I, the Superman stuff is, is hard to reconcile, like you said, but I, I think they just always kind of on the forefront of the, the writer's room want to keep this Supergirl story. Well, thank you all for your feedback. If you want to contact Supergirl Radio, you can email us at supergirlradio at gmail.com. You can post a comment on our website at supergirlradio.com. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at Supergirl Radio. And we have become a literal Supergirl Radio on Spotify, so check out our playlist. And I'll make sure that that cool song that introduced Red K. Kara is is uh, added to the list because I, I thoroughly Oh, I put that, that on there. Oh, good, good. <laughs> it's on there. Both the songs from uh, from Monday night's episode, the song the song that Kara, that's playing when Kara uh, walks into Kako, and then the song from... I think they said it was the song that was playing when it was a scene between uh, Cara and James. So nice. two songs from Monday night's nice. episode. So those are on the playlist now. Well, thank you for doing that because <laughs> I definitely want to go listen, go back and listen to those because they, they were fun, fun jams. Um, we are available on iTunes and Stitcher. So if you have time, we encourage you to give us a rating and write a review. Thanks to M Cookies and the underscore Mo Spooky for leaving us reviews on iTunes. Yes, thank you. We love reviews. Yeah, that's awesome. Thank you so much. And we are a part of the DCTV Podcast Circle. So if you also like Gotham, Arrow, The Flash, Legends of Tomorrow, and even DC movies that are about to come out, subscribe to our DCTV <laughs> Podcast Mega Feed. I'm very excited about that. I'm sorry. And follow at DCTV Podcasts on Twitter and like DCTV Podcasts on Facebook. You can find me on Twitter at Equivocarly, E-Q-U-I-V-O-C-A-R-L-Y. I always have to think about how I spell that. <laughs> <laughs> so, even though it's like half of it's my own name. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm also a weekend editor at The Mary Sue, which is themarysue.com and elsewhere on the internet occasionally, but mostly just on Twitter. And you can follow me on Twitter as well at DerbyKid. That's at... D-E-R-B-Y-K-I-D and eventually I'm going to have some new content on my YouTube channel. I need to make some time for myself uh, but you can find all of my past videos at youtube.com slash duckmilkpride. That's D-U-C-K-M-I-L-K P-R-O-D and I should plug my latest guest appearance podcasting wise. I was on an episode recently of Views from the Long Box with Michael Bailey talking about Wonder Woman so if you would like to go listen to that and hear my comic book origin story. I'd talk a little bit about that. Uh, check out uh, the podcast called Views from the Long Box. If you'd like to stick around for a quick spoiler section about the next episode of Supergirl, we'll be doing that after our theme music. But until next time, I'm still Rebecca Johnson. And I'm still Carly Lane. And yes, sometimes heroes fall, but we don't personally believe in failure. Not if you get back up and face the music.
anymore. Supergirl's intervention was met with fear. The crime rate is up a whopping 40%. I hate her. I know what I have to do. And we're back. And what you just heard was the audio for what's coming up on Supergirl. The next episode is called Manhunter. Ooh. <laughs> the official description says, quote, John Jones reveals the details of meeting Kara and Alex's father, Dr. Jeremiah Danvers, Dean Kane, and assuming Hank Henshaw's identity. Also, Kara debates trusting someone new with her secret identity. Hmm. <laughs> and Siobhan Natalia Ricci plots against Kara. So, Carly, what in this description are you most excited about? Everything. <laughs> um, we finally get the backstory for John Jones and Jeremiah Danvers. And it's, I mean, I've seen promo photos uh, where Dean Kane is appearing in them. So it, maybe there'll be flashback scenes. Yeah, I, I would imagine so. Um, which I'm really excited about because that whole storyline with John Jones and, and Cara and Alex's dad and the whole, I, I mean, I'm assuming that now we're kind of going to get that because maybe the DEO is interrogating him. And so he has to finally tell the whole story about how he assumed Hank Henshaw's identity. I think that's a great speculation. I would also be curious to see if we get to see David Harewood playing the real Hank Henshaw mm. against John Jones. Like maybe there'll be a little double David Harewood, like getting to play two different characters. I maybe? like, I like the prospect of this. Um, <laughs> and Kara debates trusting someone new with her secret identity. So I wonder who that is. I don't do, know. Do you, have, do you have a guess? Because oh. I, I, I don't. I mean, I, I know I called for Cat, but maybe it's Cat Grant. I don't know. I, yeah, but I, I feel like I don't, I don't know. know who else it could be. Yeah, especially after falling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I don't know. What do you think? Um, I am very excited about Dean Kane's return. I have been very curious about that whole uh, assumption of the Hank Henshaw identity. And so I'm really excited that we get to see that story because I think that's, that's a lot of stuff. You, you can mine that for a lot of story. And I'm, I'm crossing my fingers that maybe either the real Hank Henshaw, maybe, I mean, it sounded like he was dead. I mean, when Senator Crane asked him, it, uh, asked Jean if he killed Hank Henshaw, he didn't respond in mm. falling. So I don't know if that meant that maybe he was quietly affirming that he did kill Hank or maybe he's not really dead. I don't know. But I have always kind of really wanted to see the cyborg Superman show up because I think that guy is a crazy, scary villain in the comics. Uh, he's, he's one of the most visually terrifying to me personally. Of course, I'm huge scaredy cat. So um, a robotic evil Superman who destroys whole cities is very scary to me. Um, so I was really kind of hoping that we would see a cyborg Superman at this point. And I know there's been some speculation from some people, like some really good speculations that maybe Jeremiah some somehow becomes, you know, what if Jeremiah's alive and he becomes the cyborg Superman? Like there's a lot of cool stuff that could come out of this. So I'm hoping that maybe, I don't know, maybe we'll see that Jeremiah's alive. 
that's kind of what I'm hoping comes out of this because I want to see more Dean Kane on this show. Uh, but I mean, all of this sounds really, really good. I'm really curious about what Siobhan is up to um, because it says she's plotting against Kara, not against Supergirl, which I think is right. really interesting. Um, so we'll have to see what she does. Cause what if she manipulates when somehow, um, because she could still kind of get at Kara through when, so uh, all of this sounds really great. I'm very excited about Manhunter. Well, thank you all for listening, and we'll be back with another episode discussion next time on Supergirl Radio.